today is June 12th, 2023. Welcome to the STAT Regimen, a special series providing brief recent updates regarding public health events in Rhode Island and beyond. My name is Lucas Nicolau. I'm a final year pharmacy student at the University of Rhode Island. And I'm Jeff Bradberg. I'm a clinical professor at the College of Pharmacy and the Academic Collaborations Officer at the Rhode Island Department of Health. The opinions expressed in this podcast by the hosts uh, don't represent the opinions of the United States government, the Rhode Island Department of Health, nor the University of Rhode Island. Today, we are going to be talking about the unprecedented scales of wildfires in Quebec, Canada, and how that wildfire smoke has affected us here in Rhode Island, as well as the entire country of the U.S., while people in both rural and urban parts of Western U.S. are affected annually by wildfires specifically, as well as soot and smoke. This time, the smoke has blanketed all of the East Coast, as well as the Midwest, leading to some of the worst air quality ever in places like New York, Pennsylvania, Washington, D.C., Boston, and Providence. So today, we're going to be talking about the effects to exposure to smoke, as well as how to avoid these. So just starting off with what's really in the wildfire smoke that's causing all these problems. Yeah, so let's start with the the basics here. There's so many different components that make up wildfire smoke. You may think that, oh, well, it's just like a campfire uh, on a larger scale, but there's actually a lot of dangerous pollutants and toxins both in the the gases themselves, um, like carbon monoxide, uh, polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, um, but probably the most dangerous is really the particles that are in uh, this form of air pollution. Yeah, so we've had air quality alerts and a lot of things that were telling us all these different micron sizes of how big the particles were, which usually they average out to 0.4 to 0.7 microns with an average wildfire. But the smoke that was coming from New York on the 7th of June, specifically, that one was much larger in size. So what's really the difference in um, the average size versus the one that we had in New York recently? Yeah, so I think the thing is, is that if you have bigger particles, those things are going to lodge in your lungs and cause bigger problems, right? So I kind of, you know, I, I study um, drug use and and people consume drugs by smoking them. And I always say, you know, I don't care if you use drugs, but don't put smoke in your body, right? When you have that, that, that campfire, you don't sit in front of the campfire and inhale the smoke, right? Yeah. Um, we, we know that it's a great way to get drugs in the body. Anesthesia works, but that's a controlled gas. There's no particles in it, right? Because we see smoke, because it blots out the sun. Those are those particles that are uh, uh, causing refraction of the sun's rays, and you get this orange haze and other things like that. So those microns that uh, you know, a little almost a week ago, there were uh, was five times the size of the average smoke particle. So it's basically like breathing dust, right? Um, and so that level of air quality, if continuously exposed to, is equivalent of smoking two packs of cigarettes per day. Now, there are people who do that too. That's unhealthy. That leads to lung cancer. But here we have people that are exposed to it that don't choose to be exposed to it. Yeah. I think that that's what's most important is that it's not like the people that are smoking two packs a day. It's like, this is an average day for them. It's kind of like added on top of that. So instead of smoking, two packs a day and that day it's four packs a day and the people that don't smoke have that inhalation of the two packs a day like an average smoker would it's really important to realize that that's the difference between what it actually like generally is an average wildfire versus like the amount that we had got just last week so what are some of the symptoms that can occur with this dangerous air quality comparing things like short-term exposure symptoms versus long-term exposure symptoms of like a couple of hours Right. So again, with that campfire analogy, you know, you, you, you know, the wind may shift, you may breathe in that smoke. Um, 
There may be other fires that are nearby. But again, think about just how large that those clouds were and how long they were there. So you might, if you're exposed to it outside without any barrier, you might start coughing. You'll have a dry throat, dry eyes. You'll irritate your sinuses. You'll have congestion. But the worst thing is people who have uh, chronic diseases, heart and lung diseases like asthma or emphysema or COPD, heart disease, they may be increased risk of not only those symptoms causing um, exacerbations or flare-ups of those diseases, but those flare-ups may cause them to go to the hospital, and that just puts more pressure, unnecessary pressure on our healthcare system. Yeah, we're trying to diminish that as much as possible, trying to get as little people in the hospital that need to be there. So well, with those risks there, it's really important for pa- for patients to stay safe. So what's kind of like the greater community public health impact? Yeah, so I think, you know, we're a pharmacy podcast or a public health pharmacy podcast. So it's important to say, okay, now our audience is saying, well, I take care of somebody or I know somebody who has those chronic diseases or I know somebody who has asthma um, or heart disease. What can I do to talk to those patients or those friends or family members of mine? I'd realize, again, this is the population health impact. It isn't just one person smoking in their home alone or outside and we deal with those consequences and hopefully help them stop smoking. We can't help people stop their exposure, but we can we can mitigate it. Again, we have this fragile healthcare system where, you know, all of a sudden we have a bunch of, of admissions to the hospital or to the emergency department, um, puts a lot of pressure on all those things. Actually, when people are exposed to smoke, can we have wildfires all over the world in the US or North America, predominantly the Western United States, it's actually linked to more heart attacks, more strokes, more lung cancer, again, with chronic disease exposure, and even cognitive impairment. And then, of course, we still have COVID-19. People infected with COVID-19 actually had worse outcomes exposed to smoke, again, a respiratory disease that gets worse. So the idea here is that the population impact is stress on our healthcare system, stress on populations, and, and we want to try to mitigate those as much as possible. Yeah, I definitely definitely agree. And I think that it's nice that you had brought up COVID because a lot of people kind of forget we're three years into COVID people are like this is this is kind of over now but it's still a thing people are still like hospital workers are still seeing it on a daily basis so it is important still to bring that fact up um, and it's not like we're out of the woods just yet with that so um, we've talked about all this public health all these public health impacts so how can they protect themselves against the wildfire smoke risks that we have currently have right so one of the essential parts of public health is really surveillance really knowing you know, what's in the, you know, we follow wastewater to know whether COVID is there. We follow reports. Um, you know, I used to get a daily or now a weekly COVID report. Who, How many hospitalizations are there? How many deaths are there? So the same thing happens here is that you can actually have, um, there are reports gathered by the government at air quality monitoring systems. And it's really this website, fire.airnow.gov, where the Environmental Protection Agency, their EPA, gathers these reports from these very high quality air monitoring systems and put it out there. And you can go down to a pretty uh, narrow, you know, zip code level area to see, you know, what is the air quality now, but also what is the forecast. So just as we all look to weather forecasts and as we put on our social media about pollen forecasts and things like that, air quality is one of those things. And based on those forecasts, you can stay indoors or can stay indoors. At some point, you know, think about when we think about if you're, we teach kids and our families about fire safety, you put wet towels under the doors, make sure you've got good windows. Um, you can have air purifiers. A lot of folks out West have these air purifiers. If you're able to afford that um, in the summer, you know, air conditioners that have filters in it, 
you know, make sure those filters are clean. You can turn those on. Those will help filter the air. And then, of course, the personal protection device we're used to from COVID is N95 masks. The, the difference here is that with COVID, we'd say you're fine outside. Outside is where all those particulates are. Um, and so because there's such fine uh, particles, you really need an N95 mask. Cloth will not, just like uh, viruses are very small, uh, like the COVID virus, we need to make sure that we've got an N95 mask. And then the other thing is think about things that would cause you to be exposed to more soot and smoke. And that's things like running outside, things like that, is to just try to avoid all outdoor activities you know, when there's there's wildfire. When we think about air quality, it's actually a 500-point scale. Any number over 100 is unhealthy, so you can look to that sort of prediction. It's about 200 they advise people to stay indoors. So that's why it's great we have this website. Hopefully people have access to those things. So it's, it's important that we identify those populations. Yeah, I definitely think that's really important. And like, if people, I don't know how Android users would work, but for iPhone users, there's um, even like on your weather app, it even shows the air quality report. All you have to do is just click right on it. And then you'll be able to check what your local um, air quality is, as well as places around you, if you're planning to travel at all, which is also really important, especially if you are planning on traveling, you know, keep your car door, I mean, car windows um, closed and things like that. Uh, really you should keep your car door closed too when you're traveling. Yeah, that as well, really important. Um, but yeah, it's definitely um, things to just consider when thinking about the air quality, not just during wildfire, um, like wildfire smoke exposure, but also for like any time that you have any sort of chemical in the air or anything like that. It's definitely important to consider before you go out. So we talked about different short-term and long-term kind of um, problems. So who's kind of at the highest risk of having these um, short-term and long-term problems from the smoke exposure? Well, these groups are gonna be very familiar to public health professionals. It's really the vulnerable groups that we think about with vaccines and the people we think about with COVID exposure or who needs medications. It's older adults, it's people who are pregnant, it's children. And then as we talked about before, people with pre-existing of any age, people with respiratory or heart disease. So that you know, typically healthy 20 year old but they have asthma, they're at high risk. You've got your 11-year-old, they're going to be at higher risk, even if they're healthy. And then you've got people over 65, whether who are going to be more likely to have heart or lung problems uh, on top of that. So it gets compounded as you get older. Again, very much along the theme of how pharmacists can help with prevention and also with treatment and also with providing some of these key considerations. And, and again, a lot of these groups probably have phones, probably have apps, probably have the ability to sort of say, you know, the information's there. I think a lot of people on the East Coast are probably saying, wow, I never thought of this as a problem. People on the West Coast in, in California and places are like, you know, yawn, we, we go through this every year. Um, so it's interesting that it's getting more attention now, but it's sort of old hat for some folks in, in other areas. And realize these fires are still going on in Canada. Um, they're thought to dissipate in July, but we still have lots of dry forests. We still have lots of lightning. Um, so we'll think about that. Um, for people of a certain uh, socioeconomic status, again, or if you have people who are at risk, just like those people buying air purifiers, you can actually get a home air quality index reading from um, buy your own monitor. It's about $200, but you can also download an app that sort of logs in um, kind of crowdsourced to find out what that is. It's this PACU app, P-A-K-U, and that's on, on all devices. And then again, lots of very similar kind of COVID types of things. Make sure you've got a properly ventilated room. Make sure that you've got filters that are filtering out the room 
again, maybe some of these folks are coming in. I think we have to take this as an opportunity to think about how we improve air quality, filtering out viruses, UV lights. I mean, all these other things sort of play in. We know that breathing in part particles and dust um, and toxic chemicals, as you said, are not good. And so let's think about this holistically to make these investments to do this. One of the other things that we can do too is think about things that add to indoor pollution, candles, fireplaces, of course, smoking, even vacuuming, which typically reduces dust, that can actually add to it. We actually found um, for in terms of masking that N95s, people wearing N95 masks actually had a 30% reduction in hospitalizations from wildfire smoke. So I can guarantee you, this is something that hardly anybody's doing anymore, but now that we have this acute problem that we can monitor, we have a solution, you probably have access to that solution. That's the thing that we're really trying to promote here. Yeah, I, again, completely agree. And I think that it was kind of interesting when you brought up the point of, yes, this is a really big problem here in the East Coast, but people on the West Coast, this is kind of like a yearly problem that they have. You always hear on the news of things like, okay, there's a wildfire happening in California and it was the same thing that happened the year before and the year before. So they're used to having these sort of problems, but it's kind of interesting to see how people kind of react when there's a problem that they're not used to. And that's kind of not just for wildfire exposure, but for any sort of problem that occurs that people aren't used to. They're like, whoa, I got to take a, a step back and kind of figure out what's going to, what I'm going to do, what my friends and family are going to do, like what's going to happen. Cause that's kind of what's most important. Well, and there's two things here. It's something that's unusual. So everybody pays attention to things that are unusual. It's not something people are familiar with. There used to be massive smog over New York and LA and fires in you know Lake Erie from chemicals in the water. And then we passed a bunch of laws to clean up the water and clean up the air. Um, and so this is what's unusual to clean it up. And now we have climate change um, affecting these things now. Yeah. So um, it's kind of good that you brought the law situation because we can go right into our next topic, which how policymakers, like what they're doing in terms of the wildfire smoke exposure and how they're adjusting to that. Yeah, so what we've seen is, you know, I, and I think, you know, realize the media wants your eyeballs on their website or you know, your device or something like that. But it was interesting um, if we never had COVID and let's say these wildfires happen and the smoke descended on highly populated areas where they're not familiar with it. I'm curious if they would have shut down outdoor gatherings or closed schools or um, that didn't have good ventilation or uh, both amateur and professional baseball games. The, the Washington DC, the, their team was, the nationals were um, canceled their games. Um, so I think it's interesting to see like, we sort of are like, oh, there's a danger in the air. It's a danger to communities. Let's not have this. It's sort of interesting to say like, oh, it's so bad that they did that, but it makes sense, right? We know it's harmful. Um, in places where we see constant wildfires, we see this need to reduce fuel that's in the in the in the forest floor. Remember, reducing the fuel, there's still fuel there that's extraordinarily dry and extraordinarily susceptible. Um, and when we think about drought, I mean, last summer on the East Coast, we had a significant drought and we had some small wildfires, but nothing that produced smoke in the range and breadth that it was there. But it's difficult because we don't just have annual droughts. We now have like 100 year, 500 year, 1000 year droughts, right? There's a record breaking ongoing 1200 year record drought in the West, which is another reason there's wildfires there. So they're literal tinderboxes. We have a warmer atmosphere. And we also can talk about 
someday on the register about how you deal with floods. People are like, how is it that we have record snowpack in a place that has droughts and then they have all these floods? That's the cycle. It just becomes more and more extreme. Extreme drought, then we have floods, extreme drought, extreme floods. It's not moderate along the line. And we're just not really prepared to deal with these kinds of things. And so it's sort of like you have no weather and then you have these lightning strikes, which then ignite what are not still very, very dry for us. I think that's really important to like consider impossible another regiment episode of like extreme weather. A lot of people aren't used to having so like sort of the extreme weather that we have been having recently and it could potentially just get worse in the future. So it's something to definitely keep an eye on moving forward and especially in terms of the public health's best interest. I did like the point about how you don't really know how we would react prior to COVID, like if these things, like if these cancellations would still happen, luckily we have the infrastructure now, Zoom calls, which is what we're recording on now. It's like so much easier to communicate with others. So you don't have to worry about being in person for anything. But if it was prior to COVID, like would they actually have those cancellations in place? Would it right. And just say, don't just say, don't go to the game, you know, yeah. right. You know, it's, and it's, it's an interesting thing, even in healthcare, right. Where healthcare workers still typically wear masks, right. It, you know, or, or choose to wear masks because that's where the danger is. The thing is it's dangerous for the staff and the baseball players, as well as the community in those settings you know, we can do testing and things like that because COVID was invisible. You know, this is relevant. And I think that, you know, the regimen for wildfire smoke exposure is like, okay, everyone's now at risk. We have ways to make indoor uh, areas cleaner, right? For a host of benefits. And we do have, again, as you said, the infrastructure to deal with. When we had very bad air quality, what did we do last week? We said, let's just not meet, don't even go outside. You know, we we followed sort of those rules because we can still get our, our work done. But that isn't everybody else, right? So that's why we still need masking. We still need limited exposure. Um, and we still really need to monitor air quality and protect our essential workers who can't just avoid um, these types of exposures.